Welcome to you. If it's your first time with us today, I'm Barney. I, I lead the team here, um, and it's great that you can join us. So um, just on that as well, if you're new, and maybe you've been coming a couple of weeks, maybe it's your first time, but you go, I actually quite like this place. This seems all right. If you want to find out more about us, please chat to one of the hosting team. They've got blue lanyards on. They can. T- I love that word, lanyard. Sorry. They can tell you about the church a little bit more. But also we have like a Get Connected card that you can fill in. And that gives us the opportunity to connect with you. So one of our staff team will give you a call and uh, find out a little bit more about you and help you to connect in with the church. Um, At the moment as well, I'm running a a course on Thursday evening. So this Thursday and then there's another one at the start of uh, December um, called Next Steps. And it's for anybody who's interested in maybe becoming a member of Gateway. And, uh, And we had a few people there on Thursday night and a couple of people who couldn't make it. But um, if you're interested in doing that, it's not too late. Just sign up. You can go to the groups page. You can sign up to the Next Steps group, and I'll contact you and give you the information that you missed. Um, We are going to be in Hebrews 11 today, Hebrews chapter 11. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to have to listen to my dulcet tone because I'm actually going to read the whole of Hebrews chapter 11 to you today, which is something I've not done before is read a whole chapter like that and quite a long chapter. And it's going to take almost half of my time today to read it to you. But as I was preparing, I really felt God tell me that I needed to speak the whole passage to you in order to teach what I feel God's given on my heart today to teach to you about this passage. So we're going to read the whole thing together. But before I do that, let me just uh, give a brief overview to you. If you've not been at the church long or um, if you uh, have missed a few weeks, we are um, in a series in Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And this book was written to a group of Jewish Christians who were tempted or being discouraged in their faith. And they were tempted to maybe go back to an old way, to to Judaism. To to leave Christ and go back to the temple. And the writer to the Hebrews is writing to these people to say, no, don't do it. It's it's not as good. It's an inferior way to the way that you now have in Christ. It's It's an inferior covenant. That the high priest that you have in Judaism isn't like the high priest that you have in Christ. He is the ultimate high priest. He's the one who reigns supreme. He's the, his sacrifice is once and for all. This is the one that you worship. Now, don't do it. Don't head back. And so we've gone through this series. And as a church and, and as a leadership, our heart for you as an individual is that you grow in biblical literacy. There's so much biblical illiteracy among Christians today. I hope you know that. And... and, and Apps like the Bible app are fantastic. You know, it, it goes on about how many downloads it's had. I don't know if you use it, and it's celebrating how many downloads it's had. And it's brilliant. It's amazing. Isn't it a gift from God? The danger is, is that we can misuse it and just go to it and scroll to it and find a verse and go, well, that's God speaking to me today. Or we do this um, potluck thing. I don't know if you've ever done this in your life. and you. That's what God's saying to me today. And it might be what God's saying to you today, but there there is a maturity that comes from learning that each book of the Bible was written to a different people at a different time, and it has a context to it. And understanding that context is important, because then you can apply it to your life today. And that's what we want to help you do, and that's why we do series through books. Does that make sense? Because we're trying to teach you something. So if you're still going away, going, oh, this is a great book series on Hebrews, but let me just find my reading for today. Oh, yeah, here it is, and you just randomly pick something. Can I encourage you to maybe start to think differently about reading the Bible? Because it's helpful. It helps you grow in faith. Anyway, so that's that. So, right, we are going to be in Hebrews 11, and I've actually scrolled off it on my Bible. I'm going to use my um, iPad today. I wouldn't normally do this. I would normally pick up my Bible, because I think that's helpful as well. But this is a bit bigger. So anyway, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Oratory voice. 
Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I see our culture would, would, would kind of teach that it all came from absolutely nothing. But we have faith to say, no, what, is, what, what came, came from something else? God, at his very word, spoke the creation into being. That's what we believe as people, and that's faith. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he had commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through faith he died. He still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So you're starting to see a pattern emerge already in this chapter. These, these people didn't gain righteousness by what they did. They didn't gain righteousness by doing good works. They gained righteousness by placing their trust, their hope, their faith in God. You see, we, we don't gain righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. We don't gain right standing with God by doing good works. Good works will not make you in right standing with God. What places you in right standing with God is faith in Christ. That's what places you in right standing with God. It's not an act of works, it's an act of faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, that's Abraham because he was old, right? He was really, really old. He's as good as dead. He's ancient. Yet through him were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing down in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now, I just want to stop for a minute here. Because 
if you know your Old Testament and you read Genesis, some of these stories don't seem to sound the same. I don't know if you noticed this. So, for example, here it says that Sarah's act of conceiving the child was an act of faith. If you read Genesis, she laughs about it. She thinks it's hilarious that she could conceive a baby. It doesn't sound like faith to me. Or Isaac invoking future blessings on Jacob and Esau. You know that story? Isaac's tricked to bless Jacob rather than Esau. doesn't look like faith, does it? looks like he's tricked. But yet God sees something differently. You see, God's got a different understanding of history from the one that we might have as humans. God sees something back that we don't see because God sees men's hearts. God sees your heart, humanity's hearts. God sees the heart. And so whilst we look at those events and we go, well, where was the faith in that? God sees faith. God sees something beyond what we can see. And we need to keep that in mind as we read this because you can go, hold on a minute, this doesn't sound right. But God is, we're seeing here what God sees as he looks back on those events. Verse 23, by faith, and we're still like, I mean, we're right in the, you know, we're in Genesis still here. We're just heading into Exodus now. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he had endured seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people of the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, and after they had been encircled for seven days... By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given them a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me. It also failed me as well. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, I can't say that name, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. That's a story in Elijah, by the way. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, this is my point, and all these, all of these people, all of them, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. God has provided something better for us, so that they should not be made perfect, except or apart from us. God's provided something better for us than all of these people. So I want to talk to you about what that is. Because you see, the thing is about these people that we read, these amazing heroes of faith, the thing that we find about them 
is that they are people of the promise. They walk in a way, they see something beyond them. It's it's ahead of them. It's something that they can see in the future. So for Abraham, that looks like a heavenly city. That looks like, I'm God, I'm going to make my home in tents. I'm I'm going to journey into the promised land because I know that beyond this, there's something heavenly for me that's that's eternal, that's a firm foundation. But I can't quite grab hold of what that is. But for Moses, you see this in verse 20, I think it's 26, he considers reproach for Christ greater than all the treasures of Egypt. That's bizarre, isn't it? He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He was born thousands of years before Jesus. But there's a hope that's been placed inside of him of, of, of a Messiah that is to come. There's a hope that's been placed inside of him of something beyond his life that he can see. And he lives in faith for the promises to be made known. He is, unlike all of them, people of the promise. You see, they were prepared to be rejected, to be tortured, to be destitute. It says that the world wasn't worthy of them. They were prepared to live that way because they had seen something and they held on to the promise. But my friends, God has prepared something better for you. There's something better for you beyond a promise. There's something better for you beyond a promise. God has planned something better for your life. You see, you're not called to be a person of the promise, believe it or not. You're called to be a person of the fulfillment. You are called to be a person of the fulfillment. You see, they looked ahead to a better covenant, but the better covenant has now been made. You're called to be a person of the better and greater covenant. You're called to live your life in faith, not as they did, but in the life of the new and better covenant, of the new way. You see, God has planned something better for you. So what does that look like? Well, if I'm going to be able to explain this to you, I'm going to need to go to a couple of other places, and I'm going to go to the writing of Paul. So there's two places I just want to go to very briefly. So Ephesians chapter 1, and and, uh, is it uh, 2 Corinthians 5? So Ephesians chapter 1, what does Paul write there? He says... That because of Christ's better sacrifice, because of the better covenant that you now have, because of what Jesus has done, the great high priest whose sin is made once and for all for everyone, because of him, there's a better covenant. And because of that better covenant, you have been adopted. You have been adopted by God. God has chosen to make you a child of his. He's taken you on board into his family. He said, come and be part of my family. Now, if you are a child of God, as John writes in 1 John 3, you are, if you are a child of God, and that did, he says, beloved, that's what we are. We're children of God. That makes you a son or a daughter of the living God. And that also means, beyond that, that Christ is your older brother. The one who has been given all authority, he says in Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, when he, does the, he gives the Great Commission, all authority has been given to me. The one who all authority has been given to is your older brother. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. You have been given something that is amazing because you have been made a prince or a princess of the king of kings. You see, if your older brother is on the throne as the king of kings... You are royalty. If your older brother is on the throne, you are royalty. That's what God says over your life. He doesn't see you the way that you see yourself. Just the same as when you look back in history and you see what God said over the, 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 of the forebears of faith, that you see the heroes of faith. He saw faith. 
When God looks at you, he doesn't see maybe what you see in yourself. He sees your, that you are his son or daughter, and he sees that you are royal. You have been adopted as his child. And Romans 8 says that you are a co-heir with Christ. You've been made a co-heir with him. You are going to inherit all that Christ inherits. It's unbelievable. And you need to take hold of it in your life. That's the first thing. Secondly, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, that if you are in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. If you are in Christ, if you've chosen to uh, accept Christ as your saviour, there's something that has changed about you. There's something that's changed about you. The, the, the new creature is being born within you. When it says new creation in the Greek, it actually reads like new creature. You've been made a new creature. And whilst it's not visible externally yet, you still look the same. Old haggard face you did before. Something's changed inside of you. You know, when Jesus walks on the road to Emmaus, they don't recognise who it is straight away. He's in a resurrected body. He's completely changed. God has placed the new creation inside of you. The kingdom to come has, been, has, started, to, has started to take root in you. There's something new about you. You are a new creation. You, you are, are starting to experience what it looks like to walk into the life eternal and the life to come. Heaven is starting to find its way out of you. The kingdom is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. Secondly, that's you're a new creature. Thirdly, and all of this, how do I prove that this is true? Well, Paul says, and Peter does as well, that there is a guarantee over your life. There's a guarantee over you. And the guarantee is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as Paul writes in Ephesians 1, verse 13 to 14, 13 and 14 is a guarantor in your life. So, let me explain this to you in, in, in today's terms. You go and, uh, go and take out your first uh, rental on a house or your first purchase of a house. What you have to do in order to guarantee that you get to rent that house or buy that house, you put down a deposit, don't you? You pay a deposit down. And that, at that point in time, you are legally and contractually obliged, and they are legally and contractually obliged to allow you to have that property. If you're in Christ, God has placed a deposit within you. And it's a guarantee. It's a, a, a forepayment, an early payment of what's to come. And it's the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. The Holy Spirit is a seal, like a letter, a seal on a letter, or a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance as a child of God, guaranteeing your adoption as his son or daughter. The Holy Spirit's power in your life is your guarantor that you have been made new. He is the one who guarantees these things for us. You see, God has something better for you. God's got something better for you. You're not called to be a person of promise. You're called to be a person of fulfillment. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for you. And you discover what that looks like and, 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 and what that adventure of faith looks like as you choose to walk in the good of who God's made you to now be. You have to walk into it. You have to step into your new identity. You can't just pretend that, that, that it's just, or just expect it's going to happen. No, you need to walk into it. You need to walk into being a child, being a son or a daughter of the living God, taking on your, your, your princely or princess's outfit and saying, yeah, I belong to Jesus. And, and, and I belong to, I'm royalty now. I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to live this out in my life. I'm going to accept the way of faith for myself. 
Filled with your spirit, filled with God's spirit, you can follow after Jesus. Filled with God's spirit, you can uh, walk faithfully. And this is the adventure of faith as we step out in faith and, 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 and say, actually, no, I'm going to be a person of fulfillment. I'm going to show the world what it looks like for God to fulfill his promises. I'm going to show what it looks like for, for the kingdom to invade the earth. See, God calls you away from a mundane life. I'm, I'm re- I genuinely, I get a bit fed up with our culture. It's so boring because it's the same stuff regurgitated in different ways all the time. And we buy into it. Why do we buy into it all the time? We buy into the latest Netflix series. I was so excited on Friday because Disney Plus had Disney Plus Day. And oh my goodness, there's a new film. This is so exciting. But it's so boring because it's just the same thing over and over again. Like it's going to make your life happy or excitable. Oh, great, wonderful. I'll buy into this again. I'll buy into that again. It's the same thing over and over. God's got something better for you, that you become a person of fulfillment, that you step out and demonstrate what God's kingdom looks like to the world around you. See, he invites you into a great adventure with him and a, a great adventure of faith as he invites you to demonstrate what his new creation looks like. You can walk in faith in a way that our forefathers, our heroes of the faith, never could do. Because they were people who just saw something ahead and couldn't quite grasp hold of it. But we don't have to do that. We can walk in the good of the fulfillment of the promises in our lives. You see, for many of us, church becomes a place we just come to on a Sunday. Maybe you've got into just a habitual, mundane habit of turning up to church every Sunday. Maybe you come to Gateway and it's like, well... Yeah, this or anywhere, that'll do, because it's church, and that's what we do. This is not what we're going to be as a church. I don't want to be that kind of people where we just turn up on Sundays, and you just turn up to group, and you kind of tick that off in your life. God's got more for you than that. He's got more for you than just to turn up to church on a Sunday and, and go, well, this is what Christianity is all about. No, it's not about that at all. You see, it's not just a, a, the habit or a lifestyle of, of turning up to church. Actually, Church and being a Christian is about fulfilling God's purposes in our world. The Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, therefore, go into all the nations and make disciples. You've been commissioned to go and fulfill that. And God's given you all that you need to do it. The spirit living inside of you, adoption as a son or daughter of the king, and you've been made a new creation. You've been given all the keys to be able to do it. Wow, what, look at what's at your disposal as a son or a daughter of the living God to be able to go and do that. And so the thing about this as well is that that's not just for you. This is for us as a church. Because it's through the church, says Paul in Ephesians 3, that the manifold wisdom of God is being made known in the world. It's through us. As we gather together and we do this thing called church and we say to the world, look, this is what new creation looks like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the spirit of God looks like. This is what it means to be a child of God. As we do that, we demonstrate God's kingdom to the world. We demonstrate what the fulfillment of all those promises that Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob lived with. We demonstrate the fulfillment of those promises to the world around us. So in landing this today, I want to just exhort you to something as a friend or a pastor or whatever you want to call me. 
I want to exhort you to take a step into kingdom adventure and faith adventure. Because the, 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 the prophets, the Old Testament heroes of the faith, they journeyed through life. They were prepared to accept rejection. They were prepared to walk around the earth destitute, wearing the skins of sheep and goats. They were prepared to be rejected for what they believed. I just want to encourage you today to step into something new, to step into a new adventure of faith and say, I don't know where this leads me. This might lead me to success in life. It might lead me to failure. But you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to step in on an adventure of faith for Jesus. And I'm going to place my faith in him and start working out what that looks like as I live my life to try and fulfill the kingdom of God and demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world around me. So what I thought we could do as we close this, and I don't normally do things like this, but I just want to challenge you today. If you want to step out in faith and say, God, I want to start walking in this new identity that you've given me. I want to start owning this and walking in the fulfillment of all that you've promised. I'm going to invite you to stand with me now, and I just want to pray a blessing over you as we step into it and say, God, actually, I'm all in for you. I'm all in for your church, your people. I want to, I want to step into all of that you've got for me because I want to see the kingdom of God and the purposes of God fulfilled in my life. I'll pray. We're going to pray now. So if that's you, you can stand up. If you don't, that's fine. There's no judgment here. Loving God, I, I thank you that our, our forefathers, our, our heroes of faith demonstrated what faith looks like. And they did it in the most incredible way because they didn't even see it. But yet they had faith to trust in you. They had faith that Jesus, that you were going to come. Lord Jesus, I thank you for us that we have seen the fulfillment. We have seen you, Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that now you give us your spirit. Jesus, I thank you now that we are made sons and daughters of the living God. And Jesus, I thank you that as we step out in faith, we do it with all the arsenal of heaven behind us. Jesus, as we step out in faith, we step out to be those who are wanting to fulfill your kingdom mandate in the world. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us right now in this room. Lord Jesus, I pray that this would be a moment where we start to take a new adventure of faith forward, where tomorrow we wake up and say, how can I demonstrate your kingdom today, God? Where tomorrow we wake up and say, Holy Spirit, I need your power more. Where tomorrow we wake up and remind ourselves that we're your sons and your daughters. And we start overcoming the shame and the difficulty and the pain in our lives and reminding ourselves of who you say that we are. So, Lord, we pray today. I pray that this is a landmark day for people. Lord, I just ask you right now, Lord, this is not of me, this is of you. Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you would start just opening up new doors for people, new adventures of faith. Lord Jesus, I pray that through us we would see the great commission fulfilled in Ashford. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see people encounter the king of kings as we, your new creation, demonstrate what the new creation is like. So Lord, we pray right now. I pray for new faith just to arise in people's hearts. Lord, I pray that where people need to place on the shield of faith that Paul writes about in Ephesians 6, Lord, that they would do that today. They'd be able to dis 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 um, disarm the, the, the powers of the enemy, Lord God, as they hold the shield of faith. Lord, I pray that they would be able to walk forward in confidence, knowing that they are yours, that they are chosen, and knowing that, Holy Spirit, you are the deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. So, Lord, we pray this week, Lord, that we would be kingdom people. Lord, we pray this week, commission us. I pray for opportunities across our church this week to demonstrate what this kingdom looks like. 
Lord, I pray this week that there will be opportunities across our church family for people to step out in faith in new ways that they haven't before. Whether that's just demonstrating love to somebody, whether that's praying for somebody who's sick, whether that's just owning you, Jesus, and saying, yeah, I belong to Jesus, I'm a Christian. Lord, I pray whatever it is, Father, I pray for each one of us this week that we would, we would start to see a new sense of faith, a new level of faith, and we would start to fulfill all that you have for us. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Can I just encourage you to tomorrow step out in faith by asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill you um, and do it every day this week. We are going to finish the meeting there. So let me just give you, let me hand over to Richard because he looks like he's got something he wants to say. <laughs> Thank you, Barney. Um, you might, you know, some of us are glass half full people, you know, and it may be that